up, everybody? Happy Friday! Friday! Uh, this is Will Brinson. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. I don't know why I'm yelling Friday. Maybe it's because I'm drinking beer early on a Thursday to record this podcast with you. Drinking at 1.52 p.m. No, I'm just kidding. It's 4.52 p.m. where I am. 1.52 p.m. where Sean Wagner McGuff is. He joins me for this Friday edition of the Pick 6 Podcast, our daily CBS Sports NFL podcast. I got to tell you, Sean. I've done some idea. Me, it was like st- easy with the sarcasm. Like you've been a little overly with the sarcasm about the Daily Show. I feel like coming out of the Super Bowl, it's it's easy to get tired. But I'm excited to do this podcast every day until the 2019 NFL season starts. And I'm being dead serious when I say that because it's in, like I, I'm feeling the. I'm sort of getting over the Super Bowl hangover. I'm starting to work out more often again. Feeling a little bit more energized. I got beer back in my life. That's exciting. Um, I'm currently drinking, oddly enough, um, a Mother Earth Brew Company, Cali Creamin Vanilla Cream Ale, which is very delicious. Actually, has vanilla in there. It's not Mother Earth Brewing. is from Kinston, but this is another different Mother Earth Brewing from California. Have you heard of them, and have you tried their beer? I have not, but you, uh, you I'm impressed that not only are you still doing this podcast daily, it's a huge endeavor, but you still have the energy to spend three minutes at the beginning talking about beer, working out, and all that crap. Uh, it would actually one minute. Uh, fun fact. So my, um, well, this is not a fun fact. This is a, I'm curious. It's a fact. It, well, no, it's just a little anecdote. So but my son has gotten really good at Sonic the Hedgehog, as I mentioned on this podcast a lot. He plays on my Xbox, but he is now, he's only five. So, you know, the, uh, tolerance level for hitting a wall in terms of something he can't get past is pretty low. And he currently cannot beat, um, what level can he, he cannot beat, uh, Titanic Monarch Zone or, yeah, Titanic Monarch Zone. Ah! Act one. I just actually hit play on a, I, I, I was actually Googling, cause I've never played this zone before in Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic Mania or whatever it is. I've been trying to find a tutorial to figure out how to beat the zone for him. Cause he's yelling, he's like, make it easier, please! I'm like, Hey, buddy, I hate to break it to you. Uh, my generation, we don't have levels on video games, okay? We just have video games. How do you, I mean, like, you know, now, like, they make Madden, you can be like, all pro or all Madden, please, not in my day. No, you just played whatever game you got and played it and you beat it whatever level it was. You also probably didn't, like, Google, like, how to beat this certain thing, which Weird. is something that I used to have to do in campaigns when I was growing up on the original Xbox. I would have to Google, we had, like, level how to do it. Now there's video tutorials. Yeah. It no, we had magazines, man. You had to go buy a magazine. Like, if you want, like, they used to make magazines for specific games if you wanted to try and beat them. No, I remember this. I'm, I'm old enough that I... Sure. Um, that I remember What's, going to, like, Blockbuster to rent games, and there would be, like, the... Twenty dollar, you know, like just one magazine for an entire game like for Mario like, Mario Three, like just how to beat Mario Three. What's what's your favorite childhood video game? What was your Banjo Kazooie? I don't know if you ever played that for N sixty four. It was like the free toss in game that they gave it. Yeah. That they and my sister and I must have spent hours and days on that thing. We never beat it though, is the thing. And they actually have remastered a version for Xbox, I believe. Yeah. Um, I have not played it though, just because going back to old graphics really annoys me. Are you, uh, have you not felt the, the need to go back and beat Banjo Kazooie? Cause like if I've I never, have. I've been, I've thought about it. I've laid awake at night thinking about it. I mean, you're, um, you're 27, you're single, correct? Are you single now? Am I 27? No, I'm, I'm, I'm 26. 26. Congratulations. You're a year I'm, younger. I think, 
Are you still single? That's the question. I'm still single. Okay. How was your, um, so did you, <laughs> how was your Valentine's Day? It's, it's still going and I'm well, spending t- it talking to you. Oh yeah. Oh my God. That's right. Yeah. It's, well, technically it's Friday now for those listening, but yes, we are recording this on Valentine's Day. I, no doubt my wife is thrilled. Um, just to follow up on yesterday's podcast, earrings were a huge success. Huge success, everybody. The earrings I got my wife, uh, played off well. So thanks to my mother-in-law for chess mastering me into, um, into, into getting those. That was very smart of her. I would say my favorite video game growing up might have been Contra. Everybody's beaten Contra, so there's no need to go back and, and beat that. Um, anyway, let's talk some football because it's been four minutes and we talked about video games, beer, you quota. and earrings. Yeah. Uh, so but if, if anybody knows how to beat Titanic Monarch Zone Act One, by all means, tweet me. I could I could use the help. Um, f- oh, one more fun story. I'm going to Cameron Indoor Stadium tomorrow on Saturday to see NC State play Duke. What do you think about that? Is NC State good? No. So they're going to get crushed. We were ranked uh, two weeks ago. So you're going to get crushed. Probably. The line's going to be like 18. I grew up a Duke fan, though. And, um, my, my dad's friend gave me uh, tickets to, to Cameron Indoor. So I'm excited. I'm going with my buddy Garrett. We'll see how that goes. Um, okay. Joe Flacco. Wait, what are we? No, no, no. We got to talk some news first. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm out of here, man. I'm, I'm, I'm spaced out. Uh, <laughs> first of all, okay, let's, let's dive into this because I should, I didn't want to talk about it with John Breach because you could see the hurt in his eyes when I suggested that Case Keenum could be an upgrade for the, for the Bengals. We will talk more Case Keenum. Uh, we will talk some Antonio Brown. We will talk, uh, some other items of NFL note. But first, the Bengals, this to me is one of the biggest red flags that no one's talked about this offseason, Sean. The Bengals can't hire a defensive coordinator. They've had a head coach for like a week and a half, and this guy, Zach Taylor, who's young, uh, comes from the Sean McVay tree, cannot get somebody to come be his defensive coordinator. I, I don't want to say this is the biggest red flag I've ever heard in terms of a coach, but it's up there. Like, if you get hired as a head coach, you should have the requisite connections with older, uh, smart defensive coordinators to be able to say, hey, uh, I want you to be my DC. Can you come? And in fact, as we are recording this, Ian Rappaport of the NFL, NFL media says the Saints are planning to block the Bengals from interviewing <laughs> New Orleans secondary coach Aaron Glenn for their DC opening. Sources say the respected in, uh, assistant was requested earlier today. Cincinnati cannot get a defensive coordinator. I mean, it's February 15th. This is a big problem if you're, if you're the Bengals, right? Yeah, it's funny because I literally just wrote a story and filed it, and now I'm going to have to go and update it because we were talking about how this, they might go hire the Saints defensive backs coach. Let, let's walk down the list of the coaches they wanted to get and haven't been able to get. The, so they interviewed Vance Joseph, former Broncos coach, for their head coaching job, mm-hmm. uh, but they reportedly wanted him for the defensive coordinator job if they weren't going to hire him as the head coach. Vance Joseph sees them hire Zach Taylor, so he goes and bolts uh, for Arizona. You have Jack Del Rio, who was in the mix, and I think both sides were interested. And then the Bengals decided it wasn't a perfect fit. You have Dennis Allen, whose contract was up in New Orleans, and reportedly, anyways, he was their top choice. He ends up going back to New Orleans, which I don't think we should scold the Bengals for that. Obviously, going back to the Saints is a lot better than going to Cincinnati. Dom Capers rejected the Bengals, according Mm. to Alex Marvez. And then you have the Florida defensive coordinator last night rejecting the Bengals. So this is kind of embarrassing, I think, because yes. it's been embarrassing, I think, 
since they fired, since they were considering to fire, uh, Marvin Lewis because you had the Hugh Jackson nonsense coming out about how they could hire him. Thankfully, they didn't do that. They haven't had a defensive coordinator since November because that's actually when they fired their defensive coordinator under Marvin Lewis. So you have a 35 year old head coach who has been a coordinator once at the NFL level, which came on an interim basis. The biggest news he's made so far is he hired the coach that was involved in the Dolphins' bullying scandal and a separate scandal at Texas A&M, which resulted in him getting suspended. So I, it, the Bengals have quickly become the new Browns of the AFC North, I feel like, because they're clearly the worst team. They have an aging defense that is is bad. They have an aging quarterback who's mediocre. I don't see any upside here, and I don't I don't see any way that Zach Taylor has success, you know, right off the bat. And I who are they going to get to be a defensive coordinator? Who's left? I have no, I mean, when Dom Capers is rejecting you and Jack Del Rio is turning you down, I'm not insulting those guys. Like they're respected veteran guys, but it's clear the Bengals are trying to go with a Sean McVay plan where you get your what your own Wade Phillips, your version of Wade Phillips, and they can't get the guy. I, I don't know. I mean, who do you? Who do you hire and what does it say? Do you think this is more a byproduct of the Bengals having a bad defense? Cause they had a historically bad defense last year for stretches. Um, they fired Terrell Austin in the middle of the season. Uh, do you think it's more of a product of the, uh, the defense itself and the players they have to work with? Or is this a, uh, does this reflect on Zach Taylor and maybe a concern about working with a 30 year old who doesn't have a ton of history as a head coach? I think it's both, and I think, look, um, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, the Florida defensive coordinator, he had concerns about the aging personnel and how they would be able to transition to his defense, which would have a different scheme than Marvin Lewis. So that, so personnel, I think, matters, and I think that's a part of it. But I think what this reflects poorly upon is that Zach Taylor didn't assemble a staff in the month. He wasn't officially hired till last week. We know that. But for a month, he was the guy. Everyone knew he was going to be the guy as soon as the Rams season ended. So he had a month, you know, to back channel and, you know, line up coaches. But I think this just shows how inexperienced he is and how little experience he's acquired at the NFL level. And he was at, at the college level for a little bit. I mean, you look at Brian Flores, who got hired by the Dolphins the same day as um, Taylor got hired by the Bengals after the Super Bowl. He hired his staff by the end of the week. So this isn't like a timing thing where the Bengals just hired someone after everyone else did. Brian Flores had a time to assemble staff in like three days, which means before he got the job officially, he knew who he was going to be bringing. Yeah, I so mean, I think this yeah. is a lack of preparation thing from Zach Taylor. It's a giant red flag. It's a why huge. are they why are they suddenly going after coordinators after they've hired Zach Taylor? They should have already had guys lined up who wanted the job, and it seems like no one wants the job. And what's going to happen is the only people who want this job are going to be the guys who aren't entirely qualified. Uh, of getting it. And I think one of the guys who's now in the mix is the Rams secondary coach who, like Zach Taylor, has never been a coordinator before at the NFL level, um, and has never called plays before. So now they're, this, this staff, you talked about, they wanted the Sean McVay plan, which is you get this young offensive, you know, mastermind, whether he is or isn't, we'll find out. And you pair him with an experienced defensive coach. And you saw the Cardinals do this with Kingsbury and getting Vance Joseph for, who for all of his faults, as a head coach, has been a defensive coordinator before. I think the Bengals aren't going to be able to get a guy like this unless they want to go after, I don't know, like a Jeff Fisher or a John Fox. Ooh, a John Fox, you say, a Jeff Fisher? I mean, look, what I'm going to steal a joke from Slack, but we're like 
a mo- we're like a week away from John and Jim Breach being co-coordinators for the Bengals defense. I mean, that's, that's what might end up happening if, if the Bengals can't find a defensive coordinator. And yeah, when you interview for one of these jobs, what happens is you go in and you're talking to the team and you're talking to the owners, you're talking to the GM and they say, you know, who, you tell them who you're going to hire. You don't just say, I'm going to magically sprinkle Sean McVay dust on Andy Dalton and we're going to win a bunch of games. You have a, like, they're like, who do you think about? I mean, at least they should be. Maybe because Marvin Lewis had been there 18 years, they didn't think it was a thing anymore. But you go in and say, here's who I'm thinking on offense. Here's who I'm thinking on defense. Um, you know, I got these names lined up. And that's how you bowl over these owners and these GMs by having a prepared plan to go in and, and, and offer them. And I am now, I think that this is, um, I, I, this concerns me substantially more than any weird press conference behavior, eyeball situation that Adam, I mean, don't you agree? Like, yeah, like Adam Gase's press conference was weird, but this is way more concerning. It doesn't help that the hiring gets made and everyone criticizes it because it seems like a total reach and you're giving a guy a head coaching job who doesn't really deserve one. He just happens to be friends with Sean McVay. And then a week into his, 10 days into his, in, into him getting hired, he still can't fill out his staff. And look, the, the season is obviously a long ways away and they're going to get a defensive coordinator eventually. But to say this doesn't matter is, is kind of, you know, brushing it aside because the combine's in two weeks and Lord knows the Bengals need to probably draft some defensive players. And it matters. I mean, we talked about the Florida DC turning them down because of, you know, scheme fit. They got to know who's going to be the defensive coordinator so they can start figuring out who they might want to target in the draft, who they might want to target in free agency. Yeah. And so this, this does matter. This is, you know, Belichick always talks about you go to the Super Bowl. We are six weeks behind, you know, every team that didn't make the playoffs. The Bengals right now are, you know, are behind and, and they're going to keep continue to be behind so long as they don't have a defensive coordinator. And, this matters. And they didn't go to the Super Bowl. Like you did, like <laughs> you didn't even go to the playoffs and you're six weeks behind. That's it. I look, I don't want to, we don't need to harp on this too long, but I mean, it is the sort of thing that should give you pause for concern. And you're right. Like you are going into free agency. You, you, all right. Two examples from this year and last year. One, Cliff Kingsbury who gets hired by the Cardinals, and everybody's bashing on him. They put the friend of McVay out there, blah, 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 blah. But when Kingsbury gets up there and people ask him, what are you going to do with your defensive coordinator? He was honest about it and said, I'm going to lean on Steve Kime, who knows a lot of people around the league. And whether or not you think that Kingsbury's a good hire is irrelevant, he he had a plan in place, and they went out and they got somebody who'd done the job before. Uh, when you look at last year, John Gruden got hired by the Raiders, and he brings Paul Gunther, former Bengals defensive coordinator, who maybe the Bengals should have hired as head coach, but that's neither here nor there, brings him over to Oakland, and Gunther comes in, and, you know, they talked about, and all coaches talk about this, you need this stretch of period, this stretch of time, this period of time, to evaluate your defensive players and figure out who you're going to keep and who you want to deal with in terms of roster situations. And, and so, yeah, it's a big red flag for the Bengals. This reflects poorly on the organization, too, because I can't remember who reported it, but when they hired Zach Taylor, there was a report about how he interviewed so strongly, and they, you know, the same report that comes out every time, how he blew them away with his plan. In in an interview, the big part is, who are you bringing to fill out your staff? And it seems like, to me, I'm sure he had names, and I'm sure those names were Dennis Allen and all these guys who turned them down, and it seems to me like... Zach Taylor had in his mind all these guys that he wanted for the job. And it was just like that, you know, that wish list of who he, he thought he could get when in reality, 
he had no chance of getting any of these guys. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on. This is Breach will be so disappointed that we spent all this time on a on the Bengals while um, he wasn't on the podcast. The NFL Combine is a fun time for teams to get together and to to make trade rumors and do all that kind of stuff. But it's not so much a fun time right now because the NFL Combine is not letting uh, everybody come. And now I've forgotten the guy's first name. Who's the guy, Ferguson? You wrote a, did you write a story about him? I was Jalen. Jalen Ferguson, thank you. I was trying to filibuster so I could find his first name. And I eventually just had to give up and ask you. Jalen Ferguson, all time, I think all-time NCAA leading uh, sacker. That's what our story said yesterday. From Louisiana Tech. I know where he's from. I, Ferguson. I know his number. I know his school, all that. Um, he's been – he got disinvited from the Combine. And that's a huge deal because he had an altercation many years ago at a McDonald's. Shout out to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL Media or whatever for tweeting out his story and tagging McDonald's, by the way. Like he was like, he got in trouble, quote, <laughs> at Mc, like, at McDonald's. I don't, I don't know why you would tag McDonald's in that, but I, I just found that hilariously amusing. Um, anyway. Ferguson has now been disinvited from the combine for an incident that happened in the past. What do you do? You think that that's a good or bad thing for the NFL, considering that we've heard Bob Quinn, GM of the Lions, criticize the the combine for for not letting Joe Mixon come because he believes that these guys should have the opportunity to answer the questions and the team should have the opportunity to ask them the questions and that guys shouldn't be banned because they might have done something in the past. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. It's Going to the combine, you know, that, that doesn't mean this player is going to become, a, and, and it seems like this Ferguson incident is way less than the Joe Mixon stuff and all that, which is why, which is why this is, this seems kind of ludicrous because we always, teams always talk about when they're drafting a guy with, you know, quote unquote character issues is they have to do their due diligence. By not letting them go to the combine, you're making it harder for teams to do their due diligence. And I get it. There's still ways for these teams to do their own independent investigations and all that. Um, but it seems like the most important part of the combine besides the athletic testing is the interview process. Why wouldn't you want to have the players who actually have something to answer for to come and, you know, talk about, you know, how they messed up in their lives. I, it, it, it's bizarre to me. It, it screams like, it seems like they wanted to make something that would be a good, you know, PR move of having, you know, we have zero tolerance for, you know, players with checkered pass when in reality, this is, a step in the process players with checkered pass, checkered pass should be forced to jump through because it's a time when they're going to be forced to answer questions about it. Um, yeah. And uh, look, I, I saw this from Mike Florio on pro football talk, but basically the um, per league source, the rule is ping pong since 2017 from a complete ban to in 2018 permission to attend for purposes of providing a physical exam to as of this year, a return to a full and complete ban. And a league source told him a high level team employee told him on Thursday, you know, yesterday that, and this makes sense. Quote, we are not going to allow them to attend the combine, but when they're drafted and become stars, they will promote them. And it's right on. Like, you're going to not allow somebody to come to the combine because of something that happened in the, in the past, but then you are going to allow somebody to be drafted. Like what is the point of banning somebody from the combine? I get, I get it. I guess you don't want to have a case by case situation here, but at the same time, you need to be able to say, look, 
This incident happened in the past. It happened 10 years ago. He hadn't done anything since then. Uh, we are concerned about this. Teams are going to ask you about this. We're putting it up here because we found it. But you're not going to ban him from the combine. That's when teams get to talk to these guys. And uh, to me, it, it doesn't make a, it doesn't make any sense in the world to to keep these guys like this is the job interview. This is not a privilege, right? The combine is not a privilege. It is a pain in the ass for these guys. Now, don't, I mean, they're pumped to perform on TV and they understand they can raise their draft stock and they can help how they look in front of teams, but it's a job interview and it's a grind and, and you're going to get grilled by teams and weird things are going to ask of you. This is not a, a fr- like a free vacation to Hawaii. Like I, I don't understand why you would ban them from this. Say you can't come to the draft or, you know, you, you're not allowed to be a first round pick or so I don't know. I mean, do, do something like that if you're serious about it. It does feel like a sort of a chamois PR type of move. Yeah, and, and to reiterate, I don't like. I'm not saying what he did was fine. I mean, I've, he, it seems like he just got in like a fight when he was pretty young, and he had to pay a fine. And like, I'm not saying that's good, but out of all the things that we see players do and get drafted, like Joe Mixon, it seems I don't I don't I don't understand what the point of this is because you want teams to have all the information possible when drafting these guys, and you are now making their lives harder and you know, determining what happened because you're right. If he does, if when he does speak with teams, eventually they're going to ask him about this. And it seems like the perfect time to do it would be at the combine when prospects meet with teams. So I, I don't really get it. Um, yeah, I agree with you completely. Sorry. I was complaining about Ticketmaster very quickly. Ticketmaster, not a, maybe there'll be a sponsor of the show. So I probably shouldn't, uh, probably shouldn't bash, bash Ticketmaster. Um, Pierre Garçon. Big wide receiver news. Pierre Garçon is not going to have his option picked up by the 49ers. You were so flabbergasted by this news that you looked at me and said, are we really talking about that? This is peak February 15th NFL news. Um, I actually think Pierre Garçon could be a nice buy low guy. I mean, he's he's 32, so you're not going to be paying him much. He's got durability issues. He's played in eight games in each of the past two seasons. But if you look at his stats – in the last two seasons, you have to remember he's played with mostly terrible quarterbacks with Garoppolo getting hurt this past season and the 49ers being terrible the year before. And before that, I always thought he was always underrated. And I think, I don't know, he's not a wide receiver one. He might not even be a wide receiver two at this point in his career. But as at his prime, he was a really good wide receiver two. Um, someone's going to sign him on some you know veterans minimum, I assume. I don't think anyone's going to be giving him multi-years or anything. And to be clear, I'm still not sure why we're fully talking about this, but there's well, my pure gut zone take. Well, a couple things. One, he was definitely a great wide receiver too in Indianapolis when they, when they drafted him, uh, a sixth round pick in the 2008 NFL draft, played with Peyton Manning for a few years, had 134 targets in 2011, uh, which was actually not with Peyton Manning. Um, those of your Peyton Manning got hurt, of course. Uh, and then, in, in fact, signed a huge deal with the Washington Redskins in free agency. I remember writing about that contract and being like, what are the hell are the Redskins doing? They gave him like $35 million guaranteed or something like that. But he was there for a long time, played five years in Washington, led the league in receptions in 2013 at the age of 27. Um, and then after he was, uh, after he left Washington in 2016, signed a pretty big deal with the 49ers, um, in Kyle Shanahan's first offseason. The goal was just, to get somebody in there that Kyle Shanahan knew, that knew Kyle Shanahan's system. He's only had one TD since then. He signed Again, signed at age 31. They had cap space to burn, needed some players. 64 catches in two years, just played 16 games total. 
786 yards. So not, I mean, nothing special, but decent veteran production. I think the real interesting thing here, Sean, is what it might mean for the 49ers and Antonio Brown. And we'll tell you coming up next. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, what a professional segue by me. That was a radio-level segue. Um, I wish people could have seen your hand movements while you were saying it, too. I was, I was like, like karate chopping and stuff like that. Um, it is weird. It is, do you ever find it weird how on pod, like, uh, you do radio and you have to get used to the, like, the ebbs and flows of the time slots, but if you do a podcast, you can just talk for all eternity. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, I prefer, yeah. the, I prefer the podcast format substantially. Yeah, it's like it's like the difference between like newspaper and having like inches and not being able to go over right. and the internet where you can write forever. But it can be both a good and a bad thing, as your four minute introductions clearly tell. Ooh, wow. That's okay. Kinda have to rethink my life now. Happy Valentine's Day present from Sean. He took a crap in my Cheerios. Um kids say that the kids still say pee in Cheerios or whatever? I don't I don't think so. Do you remember? I don't say it. Cal- but I'm, I'm old now. I'm 26 now. 27, according to you. So what'd you do for Valentine's Day? You got a, you have a date? Would you work? I'm working, man. I've got a hot date with my TV later. Maybe make some dinner. We want to rephrase that. Just no, saying. I'm just, just going to watch Band of Brothers, if I'm being honest. Is that good? I'm, I haven't, I haven't watched it. I'm on my third episode. Well, you watched some episodes. I've been flying through TV since August. I'll tell you that much, though. Uh, I've watched The Leftovers, Mr. Robot. The Night of and Sharp Objects. So. Uh, oh, while we're, do- while we're not talking about Antonio Brown and ruining my segue, how about some airplane <laughs> etiquette? Let's talk about airplane etiquette because Danny Kelly tweeted out, what are your thoughts on a person 
parentheses monster question mark who leaves the window shade down literally the entire flight including takeoff and landing i'm that monster buddy i i get anxiety when i'm flying i hate heights i hate looking out and seeing the clouds and not being able to see the ground and it freaks me out i also really dislike getting overly warm in airplanes and so i shut the shade as soon as i sit down i get window seats i always book the window seats and people on the aisles are always like giving me looks like why do you why do you have the shade down it's like why didn't you book the window seat chump you could have left the shade up yourself when i get the window seat i get the shade that's my rule I shut the shade. I'll reach behind me, even if it's like if it's like a, like three quarters of the person behind me. I'll shut their shade. I don't want that sun blasting me in the back. Get out of here with that business. I like shades down the whole time. Only time I will open the shade is when we're coming in for a landing. If it's a city I haven't really seen, or if it's like like New York where it's a cool you know skyline to check out, or if it's like a, a city I haven't seen, I will I will open the shade in that case. Are you worried about like getting sunburned? You're kind of pasty. Is that is that a concern? Kind of pasty. Jesus. Uh, no, I'm not worried about getting sunburnt by having the window open. I am worried I'm, about. I'm worried about like start like sweating and being uncomfortable. I'm uh I'm the complete opposite of you. I will also book the window seat, but I want the window open the entire time. And I've been having some I've been having some bad luck late. And I, I'm the complete opposite because if you know if you're going through some turbulence or whatever, I think it's comforting to look outside. And if you ever go through turbulence and you look outside, you can see the airplane is barely moving, and, and you realize that mm. nothing outside is actually happening. Um, also, when you're you know descending or you know ascending, I think it's helpful to look outside. But I've been having some bad luck on airplanes lately with the window seats. I was on a flight back from Hawaii, had the window seat. Flight attendant comes up to me, asked me if I could switch to the exit row because there was a little kid in it, and I had to give him my window seat to go sit in the exit row. Mm. I was on another flight to Chicago. That's I good, paid that's good extra. karma. That's good karma, though. I, that's true. Well, this this isn't going to be good karma. Yeah. So I was flying to Chicago on a red eye, and so I paid for the window seat because I can only sleep if I can lean on the, on the wall. Sure. And I and I get there, and there's a there's like a middle aged dad sitting in my seat with like two two young kids next to him and he asked me if we can switch seats because he wants to sit next to his kids where's his seat now this is interesting where's his seat his seat is in the middle somewhere somewhere nah, else. In- nah, yeah. nah and i nah. Pay- if i hadn't paid extra i would have maybe you know just been nice but, not- but in front of an entire plane i had to tell this guy no and then i just sit next to his like six-year-old kids <laughs> seated to talk to me the entire flight and kept me up the entire time that's because they they were talking about how they wanted to move to California. So okay, well, I've been having some bad luck. Well, no, that's not bad luck. That's called karma back at you. He's like, oh, sure. You want to sit with my six-year-old? I'll sit back here and watch a movie the whole time. I greatly dislike the idea that this guy went out and booked an airplane ticket. Now, may, it, you know, if it's something where he couldn't book three next to each other, I get it. But it sounds like his he booked his kids in the like the nice economy comfort thing and then didn't book himself there thinking, oh, I'll just try and trade with somebody. You know, like he just gave himself a crappy seat and thinking like, who's not going to trade with me? And then Sean comes piping down the airplane. But I would also understand it if like the kids were more emotionally fragile about it. Like if they were like crying when we're going through the switch, I probably would have just been, just take it. No, no, no. But but I sat down and they, they were as happy as can be. I mean, they weren't freaking out about it. They were fine sitting alone. You have to either book the flight next to your kid. Figure out some way to get it next to you. You have to sit next to your own kid. If you want, if you want to sit next to your kid, you need to book the flight next to your kid. Or you need to be able to offer whoever you're switching with something of equal or greater value in return if you're going to try and pull that move. You can't be like, hey, 
can I have your economy? Can I have your Delta Comfort seat? And you can go sit in the economy seat in the middle in the back like that. No, like no, like I, I paid for this. You know, I paid extra for this seat because you paid extra for your two kids' seats. So why don't you move your little Johnny in the back and I'll sit up here? Wow. See, I felt bad politely declining, and <laughs> he's lucky he didn't ask you. No, that's that's a bush league move. As a dad, I mean, like you could de- like. Please. The guy paid for two economy seats. You're telling me there wasn't another one anywhere near there? He could have paid for his own seat in another spot and then traded you. Like, if he'd been like, do you want to trade this middle economy seat for this window economy seat? You would have said yes. You know what I mean? Like, like you would have been well, like. It was a red eye and I really wanted to sleep and I can't sleep sitting straight up. So okay, I got to okay. lean. But you, but you get my point. Like, if he'd been like, hey, uh, will you like switch sides of the cabin so I can sit with my yeah, son? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. no-brainer. If it was an equal seat, just on a different, even if it was in the back of the plane, I would, I would have done right. it. But because... a, a middle seat in the back of the plane—that is a. I'm glad. I'm glad you put him in his place. All right. But uh, uh, and sorry, one last quick one because the flight before I was on the window seat, and before takeoff, the flight attendants requested that after we we take off, everyone close all the windows. Yeah. And I was, I was like. What is this? It's my window. I can do, you know, no, it's for, I it's for, it's for can, temperature can, purposes. Oh, come on. What about people who are nervous flyers who want to look outside? Put like, on headphones and grow up. Watch a movie. Speaking of watching a movie, Danny, we also, this, this conversation on Twitter devolved into, um, wh- is there anything more awkward than when you're watching a movie and like a sex scene comes on? Like the movie? What I do you- purposely avoid watching things that will have things like that on an airplane. Right. But what if you, that- what if you don't know? Well, like, what do you do? Do you, is, do you like switch channels or, you know, if you're watching on like an iPad or something like that, you just close the iPad and you're humiliated. And Pat this Thorpe, you know. this doesn't happen to me because I think we've actually discussed it before when you watched a Star Wars movie for the first time on a plane. Yeah. I am anti watching new things on airplanes because yeah. I, I don't think your first viewing experience should be in, in an airplane because it's just not going to be as good as watching on a TV. Uh, I agree with that. However, I think that if you watch like, I watched uh, The Last Jedi, I guess, on, yeah. on, on the plane for the first time. I may have even watched – this is bad because I'm a huge Avengers guy. But I think I watched Avengers Infinity War for the first time on a plane um, or like watched the first half of it and then rented the second half. I like it because that plane ride flies. Like you get locked, yeah, yeah. you get locked into the movie and you aren't thinking about anything else. But I, I'm with you. Like you should watch. Um, this is why I like to go back and watch like Iron Man or something like that. Some some throwback. Um, anyway. Antonio Brown. Yeah, we were talking about Antonio Brown. I bragged about my segue, and then we spent eight minutes talking about airplane etiquette. So that's what a podcast is for. <laughs> and all right, so I'm going to do. What do you think about this idea? I'm going to do this next week for CBSSports.com. I sort of have to do it now that I'm talking about it. But uh, I think I am going to write the top. I'm going to write. I'm going to rank the 31 possible trades for Antonio Brown. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out a trade deal with every single team and rank them. What do you think about that? Do you need to do all 31? Because I think, I mean, do all 31. I remember back when Nick Foles was not the Nick Foles we know when he got released by the Rams. Um, our boss EK came into Slack and he was like, I was ranking the top 10 destinations for Nick Foles because it was the offseason. At the time, Nick Foles was, you know, Nick Foles. He wasn't the Super Bowl MVP. No one really cared about him. And I was just gonna do top 10 and, and EK was like, you should just do 32. And I thought it was really stupid and I was kind of annoyed because it added an extra hour and a half to my workload. Sure. But it ended up being a really good post. And in hindsight, it's kind of funny because now Nick Foles is Nick Foles. So I think you should do all 30, all, all 30, 
31, I guess. But the problem is that 31 through 20 is just how do you rank them? No, because no, no. They're I'm all, not, I'm they're not all gonna, like not going to happen. No, but I'm going to create trades. Like I'm going to create specific trades. Like, um, and that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to create a couple specific ones. So like, um, if you had to, like the Ravens would have to give up two first round picks to get Antonio Brown. Because the Steelers would not be willing to give him, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm, I'm would they even? I don't even know if they would even do that, just because they have to see him twice. That's what I'm saying. Like you, yeah. like that's where you. This all factors in. Like the Bengals would have to give up uh, AJ Green or something. I don't know. Something, we'll figure something out. Anyway, um, where do you think if you had to create a trade that would be interesting for Antonio Brown, where would you? Where would you send him? I'm sending him to New England. And oh! I, actually, I actually think this could happen. I really do. And well, you do? You, Jason Lockhart I mean, is reporting that, think... the, that the Patriots are on the no-fly zone. Like that's no trading, no trading Antonio Brown to the I Patriots. mean, I get that. And I, they're obviously going to work the rest of the market because they don't want to send him to their arch nemesis in the conference that sure. they're going to have to see in the playoffs if they make it back to the playoffs. But I don't know. Do you think, let me ask you this. Do you think the Steelers are going to be getting these two first round pick type of offers that you just, um, you know, that you just put in, you know, as a possibility for, you know, a team like the Ravens? I don't think they're going to get an offer for a receiver that's turning 31, um, in the summer. I don't think they're getting the two first round pick offers. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some team will just do that, but I don't see that happening. And so I think once that, once they get the sense that's not going to happen, I think it would be a disservice to the Steelers if they said we're not going to give them to the Patriots because they're the Patriots. If the Patriots give you the best offer, I think you take the best offer and you, you know, you're not being the Patriots anyways. Why do you care if you're, if they're beating you with Antonio Brown, if they're beating you without Antonio Brown? And yeah. so, oh, go ahead. Keep going. Bye. Well, I was going to say, so you look at the Patriots and they have, according to Evan Silva, they should have six picks inside the top 100 this year. <laughs> so I think they That's have insane. a lot of ammunition. Yep. Um, I think it makes sense for them to overpay more so than other teams because if, if you're the Patriots right now, you're looking at Brady's got like between what one and three more years probably. Antonio Brown is going to be 31, and so you have you know probably like two or th- two more years. What Antonio Brown at his prime or near his prime? I think you go all in, you mortgage your future, and you they already mortgaged their future by trading Garoppolo for the most part. So and you say. No matter what, when Brady retires and Belichick could go with him and Gronk's going to be done soon, you're, the dynasty's going to crumble. It's going to be over. You're going to become a normal team. Life's going to suck. You might as well just maximize this window right now and go all in and try to win as much as possible and worry about the future later. And I just, I don't think they should be worrying about the future. I really don't. I think you got to be going all in with Brady right now. Josh Gordon trade did not work out. We saw repeatedly throughout the season, they don't have a reliable deep threat and they overcame it this year and with Gronk's um, you know, not looking like the Gronk of old. I, I, I think this makes this, if the Steelers will do it, and you're right, they might not just because it's the Patriots. I think, I think the Patriots should make a hard move for him. And I think the Steelers should listen if it's the best offer. Wow. Interesting. So the Patriots currently have the 32nd overall pick in the, in the NFL draft, which they got by virtue of winning the Super Bowl. They have two second round picks. You didn't list these already, right? I didn't miss that. But, uh, yeah, uh, yep. their own second round pick, which will be the last one, of course, and then the Chicago Bears 2019 pick, um, which they got as part of a trade that I can't think of right now. I but can't I'm, think of it either, and I'm a Bears fan. Uh, what trade was it? <laughs> How do we not know this? I mean, they've done a lot of trades a long time ago, like the Martellus Bennett's. No. 
Oh, no, no, no. It was a, it's from, um, they traded it for, uh, it was in the draft. The Bears moved up. Yeah. The, this is actually one of the Garoppolo trades, interestingly enough. Um, one of the Garoppolo picks, or the, the picks acquired in the Garoppolo deal. They took the Garoppolo thing and moved down. So anyway, they, they got had Anthony Miller, the Bears. For, that's for that. right. The Bears moved up to get Anthony Miller and they got the, yeah. Um, then the Patriots currently have one third round pick, but it is believed they will get an additional two third round picks via compensatory selections, which means, as you note, they could have, um, six First round, six picks in the top 100. And if you do have that and you do think you can get enough from Antonio Brown, I, would you, if you're the, would you, if you're the, if you're a Patriots fan, do you want to give up 32nd overall for Antonio Brown? Would you do that? You're going to have to give up more than that, but yeah. No, but I'm saying like you would give, would you give up, all right, would you give up 32nd overall and the Bears second round pick for Antonio Brown? I'd, I'd give up more. Wow. Really? Because you look at the 32nd pick is pretty much a first round pick. And it's a second round pick. Sorry, it is, yeah, it's it is, pretty yeah, much yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah. a second round pick. Yeah, like I don't like what's the you know the Seattle Schneider. He always talks about how once you get past twenty or whatever, it's pretty much all like second round picks. And if you can For trade sure. back, and you get cheaper players instead of you know paying the first round price. So I don't I don't value that number thirty two pick that much. I don't think it's that much different than you know forty or you know fifty. So I I think. I just said, I'm going against what I just said, no team would offer two first-round picks. But because it's the Patriots and because those first-round picks are always going to be, you know, 28 or later, I think you could offer this year's first-round pick and next year's first-round pick. Mm. I don't think the Patriots would trade a future first, but I, I, I don't I, look, I don't hate it. I mean, whatever. If you if that's what you want to do, go for it. That's a, It's a crazy idea. It would be fascinating to see happen. Um, I don't know. I I think the Patriots are a really good choice and an interesting choice there. Um, it is something the Patriots would do, too. Go get a disgruntled superstar wide receiver. And when you look at the Patriots' depth chart, their wide receivers are trash right now. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to, like, bang on Julian Edelman, Julian Edelman, future Hall of Famer. Uh, he's their number one. And after that, it's Braxton Berrios and Matthew Slater. That's a problem. They- they went hard after wide receivers at the trade deadline. In addition to you know getting Josh Gordon, they went after Demarius Thomas, and they didn't get them because they wanted they were cheap and they wanted Denver to pay part of the salary. And I can't remember. There was one other receiver they went after. I can't remember. It, uh, was it who was it? I think Breach wrote a story on it during Super Bowl week. Um, um, he did write a story on it. It was no, no, no. That was like a Rob Gronkowski. The Rams wanted Rob Gronkowski, but they went after yeah. They went after Thomas. And, uh, there was somebody else that was floated out there. Golden Tate. They Golden went after Golden Tate. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. God, who, by the way, will be a free agent. It would make a lot of sense for the New England Patriots. I mean, what if you had Golden Tate, Antonio Brown, and Julian Edelman? How fun stopping that? That would be really fun. I don't know if they should go after Golden Tate though, because I feel like He's if too anything, to the Edelman. Patriots have the slot guys. They need, they need the vertical threat. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Antonio Brown's obviously the best available. The Giants wouldn't trade. This is off topic, but the Giants wouldn't trade. Would they be more likely to go after? Would the Giants be more likely be willing to give their star receiver to the Patriots mm. than the than the Steelers? So good segue by you. Would you rather trade for Odell Beckham or Antonio Brown? And the answer obviously is Odell Beckham, right? We both agree on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, he's not as good as Antonio Brown right now, but he's significantly younger. He's younger, and if you threw it, if you threw it, the one concern I would have about both of those guys is that. New England, and I guess we sort of wave it 
a little bit because of Randy Moss, but Randy Moss is a different cat, I think, than Antonio Brown and, and Odell Beckham. is like those guys might be a little too diva for the Patriots. Is that possible? For, personally, I would much rather have Odell Beckham than Antonio Brown. A, he's younger. Um, B, his, uh, you know, his, his, you know, you gotta pay him, but his con- he's been paid, but his contract is big, but like it's not crazy and unwieldy. I mean, it's, you got a huge salary cap. He would add an insane dimension in the Patriots offense with his ability to take slants and stuff to the house and take, like, hit it over the top. And if you keep Gronk for one more year and you have Odell Beckham and Julian Edelman, that's gonna, that's gonna like, even Antonio Brown, maybe if he if he's if he's if he's full Antonio Brown, that's going to rival the 07 Patriots if Tom Brady's still at his peak. I kind of think it's funny because I feel like we've always thought about as Odell as the diva. I feel like Brown, I mean, might be more of the way more of a diva, right? He's way like, what has Odell really done outside of getting frustrated and you know kicking nets on the sideline? Which I I have a hard time believing Belichick would you know let that happen. Um, in, in New England. What, what else is, it seems like to me the biggest problem with Odell Beckham is he gets really frustrated when they're not winning. And yeah, they're going a, to win. Not, not a problem in New England, yeah. Um, and Antonio Brown has been on a winner and still has problems pop up. Do you, do you think the Giants should trade Odell Beckham? No. There are a lot of I mean, rumors about Odell Beckham being traded this offseason. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, just to kind of connect some dots, Jay Glazer had a mailbag on theathletic.com. Where he predicted his bold prediction and Glazer, look, I don't think he wasn't reporting this is going to happen, but Glazer was saying, you know, this is my bold prediction for the offseason is Odell Beckham gets traded. Glazer is as plugged in as it gets. Um, the, the, there were odds released by Vegas on where Odell Beckham will play next year. There are, there have just been rumblings about Odell Beckham potentially being traded. And I think, you know, whether or not you believe that that could actually happen. It is, they're, they're rumblings. And look, it could just be owners meeting stuff. I mean, they just, you know, he's got this contract, like it, it wouldn't make any sense. But if, if the Giants are thinking, okay, like, I don't get that. If you're the Giants, why would you trade him? You've got, you've got Eli Manning. You're trying to make this push for Saquon Barkley. Maybe they're worried that Odell, uh, is jealous of Saquon Barkley. I don't know. It, it, it is a weird thing, but there are these, these sort of vibes popped up around the combine last year and rolled through the owners meetings. And maybe it happens again and, and maybe they come closer to trading him this time. Yeah. And, and you know, and now they're going to be adding a rookie quarterback soon. Hopefully, you would assume so. And so. when you want Odell Beckham around when that rookie quarterback's there, I I understand why Odell would want to push for a trade. I mean, I know he just signed a contract and he probably shouldn't, but he signed that contract last offseason. And I think in September, we were writing stories about how he, you know, kind of wants to go to LA or something. So, you know, I could see why he would want to push for a trade because he's stuck with Eli. Even if they draft a quarterback, they're not going to be good right away. I mean, obviously with the rookie quarterback. I think for New England, we keep talking about, I think they're going to make a move for some sort of speedy receiver, but I, I don't know if they're going to be able to get obviously the Odell's or Antonio Brown, but maybe they go after someone like Deshaun Jackson or something who is under contract in Tampa Bay, but has said he wants out. Um, obviously Bruce Arians would probably want him around that deep passing game, but what about, they're, they're going to make a move because they traded for Brandon Cooks in the years past, they traded for Josh Gordon. Sure. They're very much aware that they don't have a deep threat. Well, I think the Patriots are also very much aware and they've been at the forefront of this for like five years now. And it just finally culminated last offseason. Um, I think Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com penned it as the, the trade tsunami, right? All these teams trading for veteran players. The Patriots have been doing it for several years because they know that they can get more value in a short span 
out of a veteran player than they can out of a draft pick. And there's more, the success rate on a veteran player performing at a high level is higher than a, a draft pick because it makes sense. Like the veteran player is stuck around. So if you give up a first round pick or two first round picks for Odell Beckham, you give up first and a second with the, I mean, would the Giants take that for Odell Beckham? I think it's two first. I think his, I think his price is a lot higher than, than yeah, Brown's. Be. Yeah, so. sure. But they're both Hall of Fame wide receivers. Uh, what about this for the Green Bay Packers? Which one? Brown? Brown. Because I think the Packers... That would terrify me as a Bears fan. You, if, As a Bears fan, you don't want the Packers trading for Brown or Beckham. Oh, no, no. And it kind of... I feel like it kind of goes against what the Packers have yeah, done. Yeah, they got largely. new GM, though. No, I, no, I guess. And they what, if you, what, if you give up, up, what if you give up both of your first-round picks... This year for Odell Beckham, did the Giants say yes or no? Where are the Packers picking? Uh, they the have the Saints pick late, and then the Packers pick is like top fifteen. You know, I I, I think I would I, I wouldn't trade Odell Beckham, but I think you could justify that because the Giants have so many holes, whether it's on the offensive line or on defense. And look, I love wide receivers. Pa- I love Packers Odell have Packers have twelve. And oh, because they have thirty-one. What if you traded your two twelve first and thir- well, picks? twelve and thirty? Yeah, thirty. Sorry. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. Would, would, if you're the Giants, would you take 12 and 30 for Odell? It's a I t- would consider it. I yeah, mean, sure. I, I, it's not insane. It's not ludicrous because they they have so many holes. And as you know, as good as Odell is, you're not winning with just a star wide receiver. You know what I mean? Like you need there are other. It's star wide receiver is more of a luxury than a necessity. I mean, look look we just saw the Patriots uh, win the Super Bowl with Julian Edelman as their top receiver. Um, the the Packers thing kind of makes sense. What I was saying, you know, with the Brady argument, is that if when you're the if you're the Packers, you know, you just got incredibly lucky that you went from Favre to Rodgers. You're not going to probably get that transition again, which means that when Rodgers is done, you're going to go through, you know, that rough transition period that every other team, you know, goes through. And so I wouldn't worry about you know planning for the future after Rodgers. I'd be committed to let's. Let's make sure the next three years Rodgers has everything he needs and let's try to get one more Super Bowl with him. And whatever happens when he retires happens after he, re- he retires. So I, I would do it for Antonio Brown. Um, and it would terrify me. It would, it would absolutely terrify me. And I just don't know if the Packers are going to do it because we keep, you know, you say there's a new GM and all that. They've been aggressive get- though. And like Matt LaFleur has to win right out of the gate. They can't, it's not, Oh, well, he went 10 and six. In his first year, that's pretty good. And it's like, no, dude, like, go wait, like, you came in here to fix Aaron Rodgers and to take this offense to the next level. Maybe they go, like, hey, we need one more crazy playmaker on the outside. If we have Rodgers, Beckham, and Devontae Adams, who the hell is stopping us? I mean, who's stopping that? No one. Right. They're, they're, right. At that point, it's like, you need to go, at that point, people would be like, can the Packers run the table? Can the Packers go undefeated? Are they the greatest offense we've ever seen? There would be those kind of hot takes. I'm not saying that it would be the case. And in fact, I think that they would be much worse than people expect. Like, I, I think they would actually be like a, the pa- look, the Packers can easily be a 10 and 16 with Odell Beckham, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers if they have a crappy defense and the offensive line doesn't show up. Yeah. And we keep on making excuses with, for Mike, for Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy, but Aaron Rodgers has not been you know, Aaron Rodgers, flaming dragon, you know, quarterback God that we're so used to the last couple of years. And we're going to finally find out this year if that was a McCarthy issue or also partly a Rodgers issue. And I suspect that it's a little bit of a Rodgers issue as well. Um, that being said, you add Antonio Brown, look, you add Antonio Brown to most offenses, you're going to get those, 
Um, anyone who's trading for Antonio Brown at this stage of his career already has pieces in place. So wherever he goes, we're going to be reading these takes about how Antonio Brown makes this team a Super Bowl contender just by going there. Indeed, we will. Um, all right, let's get out of here really quickly, Sean. I'm going to surprise you with a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart. Uh-oh. What do you think it is? I have no idea. We're going to talk about some AAF. Oh, yeah. The AAF. I'm pumped. Do you like the AAF? Did you watch it? Don't lie to me. I, I did not watch it. You didn't watch it? You should have watched it. It's entertaining. I'm telling you. I, I watched highlights on, on my phone, but. But I think that's that's okay. I think that's how, I mean, I'm not being even flippant here. That's how millennials consume content. That's how a lot of people consume content in 2019. And the AA, I think that's how the AAF wants to deliver content. Um, my Orlando Apollos are heading to San Antonio for a matchup that, uh, frankly, I'm a little surprised. So this is kind of interesting. Last week, I told listeners of the Pick 6 podcast, and we'll run through the slate really quick. I told them to take the under on all these games, the AAF games. They're all up in the 50s. They're all in the 40s this week. Vegas caught up to it after the first week. Uh, the Birmingham Iron, minus 7 against the Salt Lake Stallions. Uh, I like the I like the Iron there. I think they're the better team. Uh, Luis Perez is getting some good momentum going. He played really well. Uh, my, my pal Steve Logan is the offensive coordinator there and the quarterback's coach. And I could see, uh, Birmingham rolling Salt Lake, which doesn't have a fantastic offense. Can you? Yes. Can you name me the starting quarterbacks for the, for the teams? Not all it's of them. It's not a test. I'm just actually. No. Okay. Uh, Luis Perez. I feel like I should pick is, a team. So I feel like I should just yeah. pick whatever quarterback I like best. Ooh. Um, so the Arizona Hotshots are the, are 14 point favorites against the Memphis Express. They have John Walford, former Wake Forest. Is Memphis bad? Memphis is bad. I was thinking about making them my team, so. Well, that's fine. You've liked the Bears for a long time. Yeah, I'm not, exactly. I'm not looking to add another. <laughs> you're looking at, you're looking at, yeah, it's like now is not a good time to add a bad team to your resume. Like, you're only eight teams. You don't want to be, like back in a loser in the AAF. Um, let's pick a team for you. So uh, I'm on what about a, San Diego. Darren Smith out in San Diego likes what the fleet are putting together. They're nine and a half point favorites against the Atlanta Legends. Um, let's see who's their quarter. Ooh, I like the Stallions uniform. Yeah, once you pick it based That's on a nice blue. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Luis Perez is uh, is let's see, uh, San Diego. Let's Ooh, see. I kind of like the Memphis. Blue and red. You kind of like the Memphis blue and red. So you're picking based on, you're picking like my wife picks her, uh, picks also her. Also uh, picking on like cities. Now I've never been, been to Memphis, but, um, <laughs> there's some, you know, music Memphis, artists that ben come Kurt, out of Memphis ben that Kurt, I like. Ben Kirchival wrote, Memphis is alarmingly limited offensively. Ooh. Sounds, sounds like I can get reacquainted with my John Fox offense. San Diego coached by Mike Martz. Ooh, I've got a little little former Bears offense. Oh, and they got a uh, Mike uh, Mike Bertravici is what is their quarterback. Um, he wasn't fantastic. Philip Nelson then went five of ten in relief for them for sixty eight yards. San Diego a pretty big favorite, nine and a half points against the Atlanta Legends. I think what we should do, guys, listeners of the listeners, listeners and fans, um, what you do is you go out there and you take all the favorites in these games because they're big favorites, nine and a half, five and a half, fourteen and seven. $25 parlay pays out $30 if you money line parlay that. Don't bet it against the spread. Just take the favorites because these teams are going to win. Um, and then go splash a little bit on the Salt Lake – oh, no, excuse me, the um, Orlando-San Antonio over. Set at 44. It should not be that low. Orlando can score. San Antonio can score. Those are your uh, those are your betting tips for the, for the AAF going into the weekend. What do you think about that? 
wait a minute. I talked about how I was considering Memphis, and you didn't tell me Christian Hackenberg is their quarterback? Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Hackenberg's their quarterback. I think I've got to be a fan of Memphis now. Uh, you're a glutton for punishment if you do that. <laughs> well, uh, I feel, I mean, I'm just going for entertainment value, and I think it'd be something to laugh Hackenberg at. Hackenberg looked very, 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 very bad. Wow, I'm really surprised. I think you should go San Diego. I think that San Diego should be your team. San Antonio's yeah, I mean, San, based off geography. Uh, San Antonio's defense looked legit. That's why that over under is forty four. But I don't care how legit your defense is. You're not slowing down my Orlando Apollos and, and Steve Spurrier. Um, here's oh by the way, uh, uh, thank goodness um, we have uh, we have Kerchival is actually making picks on here. He's got Birmingham minus six and a half under forty six. Um, Arizona at Memphis, Arizona minus 10. These lines are moving like crazy. Arizona's 14 now, under 49. You should read this piece by Kerchival. Wow. It's the how to watch, uh, week two. You could have jumped on these numbers earlier. Um, he likes the all four unders this week. I'm going to swing the other way. I'm going to take Orlando San Antonio over. I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot more points, even if, uh, San Antonio's defense is, uh, is pretty good. Um, I'm not going to bet against Orlando. Certainly not. Um, they might just be moving these lines in Kurtzville's favor. And you also didn't tell me Mike Singletary is the coach of Memphis. Oh, you have to go Memphis. Hackenberg, Singletary. This is your destiny. Let's, let's do it. All right, you're a Memphis right. fan. Um, hope you. Do you think you can pull the upset this week? You think your guys can pull the uh, upset as 14 point uh, home underdogs? Who, who we, I think I think we can cover, but great teams cover, so that, that's all that matters. That's true. I was wearing that shirt earlier today. Uh, okay, so take the uh, if you want to back Sean. Uh, swimmy, swimmy magoos, um, or no, steamboat. If you want to back to see the Memphis steamboats plus 14, that's your pick as well. That's your AAF viewing breakdown for the weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Maybe we'll even get Ben Kirchival to talk about the AAF and what happened. Um, and of course we will have, uh, plenty of coverage coming up. Make sure and subscribe, review, rate, follow Sean on Twitter at Sean J. Wagner. Thanks, buddy. 